Hey y'all, I'm Nicole. I'm Evie. And I'm Bernie. And you're listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine and health justice. For our second episode of our summer series, we're talking to Dr. Eleanor Chung, a pediatrician at UCSF who started the Bridges Clinic, which provides health services for refugees, asylees, and victims of trafficking at San Francisco General Hospital. In this episode, we talk more about how medicine intersects with the continuing fight for immigrant health and justice, especially with recent media coverage on horrific events occurring at the border. We briefly touch on why it's important to understand the deeply rooted history of the current immigration crisis and why collaborative interdisciplinary wraparound care is essential to address the needs of immigrant communities today. We hope this episode serves as an urgent call for justice, service, and love to all communities affected by these ongoing crises. We are fighting alongside you. So stay woke, y'all, and thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right. So our check-in question today is, what is your favorite summer activity? EVA? Ooh, great question. Uh, (laughs) Whenever I think of favorite summer activities... I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't really do much in the summer. I would just watch a lot of TV and read too, but there's a TV show called Big Brother that <laughs> sort of became the staple of my childhood summers. And <laughs> I would watch them regularly, like since I was in elementary school. I dropped off recently, but started watching again this past week with some friends from med school. And so, yes, I think that is my, one of my favorite <laughs> summer activities is just getting together with people and watching Big Brother. Thank you, Facebook memories. Facebook memories, yeah. <laughs> Facebook reminded me that nine years ago, nine years ago in the summertime, I, t- I posted on my wall that summer had officially began because Big Brother was back. So that just shows you how <laughs> deep the love is that 14-year-old EVA was talking about Big Brother to the entire Facebook world because she was that excited about it. So that just shows you it's a true, true summer activity for me. Yes. Uh, Bernie, what would you say Let's is your, one of your favorite summer activities? My new favorite summer activity, starting this year, (laughs) (laughs) I know, is um, celebrating my birthday month and birthday season. So I've always been like hella anxious about my birthday, and like I don't know, I've like always felt very shy about having get-togethers where like all of the spotlight's on me, and then people expect I don't know to have a certain good time. Uh, That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) So basically, I've just really stepped into like owning my birthday season and just celebrating throughout the whole month of July and also cancer season. And I'm just like meeting up with people who are super important to me. And um, it's just been great. It's been like a gradual buildup of love over these past few weeks and um, throughout the whole month of July. And that's my new favorite. Oh, it's just so great. I'm just so blessed to celebrate life like that and enter 25 like that. So happy cancer season, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. You cancers love to be cancer. <laughs> so proud. We got y'all. Because y'all in your field, it's cancer season. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Chan. First of all, Bernie, I think you should celebrate till July 2020. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I like celebrate that. Celebrate all year. Um, when you with this first question, I had to think about what is summer again? Mm. <laughs> I not really get a break. But but I think uh, I, for summertime, I love doing everything that I, 
always love doing, but in an outdoor setting mm. or sitting with a bowl of cherries, mm. <laughs> one pound, two pound of cherries, yeah. uh, listening to music, reading, mm. um, just enjoying the outdoors. It's a okay. slower pace of life. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Refreshing. Yes. Refreshing. <laughs> and lastly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my new summer activity that I really enjoy doing is Taekwondo. Wow. I am like doing it Tuesday, Thursdays, Fridays sometimes. Um, it's so awesome. And yesterday we were doing front row rolls. Dude, I cannot do it. Like it's a <laughs> mental block. Like I'm like wow. My body, mm-hmm. I like. I see what you're doing, mm-hmm. and I know what you want me to do. But then my body translates that. It's like a little child, like just like rolling to the side. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. And then the second that they put me on like the other like puffy thing, I'm like, oh, watch me go. Like I'm so safe here. Mm-hmm. So, but it's so challenging. It's so awesome. It's like such a great time. The people there are so awesome. Mm-hmm. So, wow, wow. Yes. that's really cool. Yeah, it's very two active. to three times a week doing taekwondo. Yeah. That's amazing. Catch these hands. <laughs> <laughs> these future rolls. These front rolls. <laughs> Rolling into the fall. Like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope that all of our listeners are enjoying their summer and hopefully have found space to breathe and just take a breath. Um, and we are so excited to have Dr. Chung um, here with us to talk about a very important topic that has been Um, on so many people's minds and hearts lately, and that's about the intersection of medicine and immigration. And so, uh, Dr. Chung, Eleanor, we are so excited to have you here with us, and so um, blessed to really have your insight and wisdom um, on this podcast episode. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. For sure. And this awesome podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So first, if you could just tell us about your work with the Bridges Clinic. Um, and how do you work with families and their legal cases? And what the Bridges Clinic is. Yes. Sure. So a little background. I'm a general pediatrician. I work in the outpatient and urgent care settings at San Francisco General Hospital. Also all outpatient um, primary care. And the Bridges Clinic is started in October 2017. Uh, my colleague Raul Gutierrez and I um, piloted this. It's t- uh, aimed for newcomer children, so children who immigrated from any country of origin um, and their families to provide kind of multidisciplinary wraparound services um, without having to rush through a typical 15-minute primary care visit. And the purpose is not only to provide a welcoming space, um, especially in this age, a sense of safety, but also to to help with case coordination, as as you know, as you can imagine, uh, coming to a new country, new language, it can be very daunting and impossible to navigate. So, sure. trying to help families adjust as um, as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's really important work. Mm-hmm. Um, so to add to that, Bridges Clinic, we ha- are a team of pediatricians, but we actually don't do the most work. The heart of the work is with our family navigators Mm -hmm. and our health advocates who work closely with the families, um, sometimes even going to City Hall or the food pantry um, to help them navigate the city. And we also have behavioral health specialists because, as you know, a lot of our newcomers have a history of trauma 
and the trauma itself of adjusting to a new city, new language. Um, and we are trying to strengthen our legal connection, but that's another uh, piece that we're working on. Yeah, I think so. I had the pleasure of shadowing at Bridges Clinic, and it really is a, a complete service for the patient, a complete wraparound. And, you know, I was speaking to one of the family navigators who told me that they actually will go get the bus pass for yes. the family and take the buses with them mm-hmm. to wow. their appointments and to home and to the closest grocery store so that they know where everything is, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. Um, but you also have this very amazing thing of like documentation where you are very aware that some things could be used in cases late, later on. And so the way that you write things in your medical note are very much towards that. Um, could you explain a little bit more about that? Are you referring to, um, we get a lot of questions on how do you ask a family uh, how their journey is or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the families we work with are um, asylum seekers from Central America and Mexico. Um, But rather than asking, you know, do you have papers, what's your status, we, I kind of uh, generalize it first. We see a lot of families from these countries. Um, uh, did you come here by bus or fly here? I was curious how you came here. And usually they'll tell you the story and they were apprehended or detained at the border. Um, and then you know because of that um, they are in the process of seeking asylum. So they don't yet quite have a status. Um, uh, but in our medical charts, we don't say legal, illegal, documented, undocumented. We don't say the families travel with a coyote um, um, or other things. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the families are quite open to the stories, um, to telling their stories, and so it hasn't been much of an issue. And we try to reassure other providers that it's very unlikely that the government's going to pour through the electric electronic health records to see the documentation status Mm -hmm. of a family. Yeah. Um, But it does come into play in that, for instance, what countries did you come through? How long did it take? Uh, Why were you, or why was there such a long time spent in Mexico? Was it because the child was hospitalized? How many days were you detained? Were you separated from that was a child separated from the family. Um, that kind of plays into uh, potential medical issues and uh, behavior trauma issues. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to know, Eleanor, how did you get involved in this work and what was your motivation? Um, I think I was thinking about this question. Uh, I've always been interested in global health and working with the underserved. Um, and there's just something so rewarding working with just different cultures, different languages, learning about a person, their family, their story. Um, and that's the main motivation for me. Uh, and just realizing that there are really no boundaries, political or uh, mm-hmm. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because uh, some people assume I like this work or get into this work because I myself am a second generation immigrant, but it's actually, that's more in the back seat for me. I think mm. it's more, I just love who I work with. Mm. Yes, I feel that. Yeah. 
I feel that when you say that. Okay. Yeah. It was Good. beautiful. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, and as the news and media have been raging about the different um, immigration border crises, how has your work really changed as the presidential rhetoric change um, change has changed and like how do you see these changes in the clinic space as well as in the communities that you serve okay good question in general I get more and more outraged so that's mm. one thing that keeps me motivated um, it also made me realize after in 2016 when Trump was elected how complacent I was or have been I've always been interested in immigrant health but now that I realize how urgent the work is, I look back pre-2016, I wasn't even aware or mm. as aware or as motivated to do the work. Um, so it's a good reminder of not falling back into complacency. Mm. Um, in terms of the rhetoric, it, so as you can imagine, a lot of our community, our families, um, are terrified through the media. Some look at the news, some don't. Um, uh, in all ages, school children, uh, older adults, there's a significant amount of fear, um, and there can be a whole host of associated health issues with that. Anything from uh, suicidal intentions, suicidal attempts, uh, extreme weight loss over a short period of time, not doing well in school, they were getting A's and then suddenly getting D's and F's. Um, just a lot of different um, negative impacts of this rhetoric, this hateful rhetoric. Um, so in our work, we try to first kind of acknowledge this and recognize this. Um, for instance, with each family, we say a lot of our families have been listening to the news and have been impacted by the news. Has this affected you or your family? Mm -hmm. um, and we talk about the stress uh, and how in connecting the stress and perhaps some health outcomes with that fear as mm -hmm. well. Um, and we also take the time to try to emphasize that San Francisco General Hospital, the Children's Clinic, it's a safe place, um, and that we will do our best to advocate for families. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You know, you see in the media these days a lot of things about what's going on at the border and like the terrible conditions and how this has affected people's health when you're given, you know, like no blanket or no, nothing to, one bar of soap for however many people. Um, and so you think of like how that's affecting people at the border, which is very critical. But then you do also think about the people that you see who might be like mixed status families mm -hmm. living in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And like, as you mentioned, watching grades go from A's to D's or F's and things like that. And sort of the stress and the mental health that um, is also being impacted by this. And I think that's something that people don't really think about as much. Um, obviously, because there are such terrible conditions that we do want to focus and address like, immediately that are happening at the border. Mm -hmm. But then we just think of all the downstream effects mm -hmm. and this, the psychological trauma that's being caused to these families, um, especially that are like mixed status. Um, and just for these kids, maybe thinking something's going to happen to their parents or vice versa. Um, it's really, it's really scary and it's crazy because we don't think about how that's impacting the health of our children yes. and then who are going to grow to be adults who have potentially, you know, all these issues and um, because yeah. of the trauma that they've endured. Yeah, I'm all frequently taken aback by how 
deep the trauma reaches. For instance, um, some parents are reluctant to sign the kids up for summer activities because they somehow feel that might expose them more. Um, some, I had an older girl who didn't want to go to any school activities or school trips or even leave the site of her mother because her mother was undocumented. Um, and just many stories like that where we take for granted and um, mm-hmm. want to work harder to want to work harder to fight against this hateful rhetoric. Mm. Mm. And I love what you said about just like um, the complacency because what we're seeing now with these crises have been deeply rooted wounds that did not start with the Trump administration Mm. but actually were escalated during the Obama administration Mm -hmm. and the fact that these things can be overlooked and not put out in the light, but still have really happened during times of which um, we think that there's a lot of progressivism happening, Mm -hmm. but actually there is still a lot of injustice and to really acknowledge that um, immigration is one of many things that are deeply rooted in the uh, white supremacy of this country yes. and um, we need to constantly just be unearthing all of that before it gets to this point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you emphasize that because uh, and I was guilty of this too I wasn't aware that in 2014 2012 you know the Obama administration the detention facilities were just as bad as they are now mm-hmm. and ACLU and other attorneys were fighting to close these detention camps and they were successful but then they just reopened in other areas mm-hmm. um, but at that time I definitely was not as aware or fighting yeah yeah, yeah. Same. I think a lot of people weren't I yeah think. <laughs> so we wake just up call. all were just it wasn't even necessarily like choosing like knowing and choosing to be complacent it was just People weren't, at least for me, no one yeah. was talking about it. Mm-hmm. No. Now it's definitely in like the public eye, like, in the spotlight 24-7, and so it's sort of hard not to. Like Once you've seen it and you know, it's like, wow, okay, I can't just continue going mm-hmm. on. Like Nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially hearing some of the stories, like quite graphic, and yeah, it just, it's, yeah, you just can't. It's not the same. It's not the same afterwards, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think... Yeah, I mean, um, this is my master's project is working with these communities and just going back in the history and really like that complacency like this doesn't this is the start of our country is based on who is a human who isn't Mm. um, and like who gets to make that decision. Mm -hmm. So that has been consistently changed throughout history Um, and just acknowledging that and acknowledging that history um, and how it plays out in our institutions like our health institutions and what that means for the people seeking care. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's just gotten to a point where now it's brought up to the attention, but it's, yeah, definitely always been there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think just to change the conversation a little bit, it's like, what can we, now that we are, we know, now that we really care, we want to do something, what can health professionals do um, to elevate the voices of these uh, communities? Yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One is, I guess the first step is just to recognize and be aware of the history and how far back it's rooted. Um, And just to get caught up to date on the latest policy changes, policy proposals, um, to kind of get a sight of the landscape out there. 
Uh, next is you can do advocacy on many, many different levels. At the patient level, the individual level, just listening to the story and helping them uh, navigate the rhetoric or navigate their health issues or trauma history, I think that's a, one important form of advocacy. And just letting the other family know that you're listening um, and you, that, that you see them. Mm. And uh, a little bit broader than that at the clinic, uh, we providers and staff at San Francisco General Hospital Children's Clinic try to make the space as welcoming as we can, whether it's with flyers or uh, right after the Trump election 2016, we sent out letters to families in different languages saying that we welcome you here, nothing has changed, um, things like that, and just trying to keep uh, cognizant of what may or may not be welcoming to mm -hmm. a family. Um, for the health care. The other way on the individual level is you can work with immigration attorneys. Health providers can work with immigration attorneys mm -hmm. to help advocate on behalf of immigrants, um, especially the children uh, fighting for or writing affidavits saying that, and it becomes shocking that we have to write this or say this out loud, but um, separation of child from their caregiver or loved ones is actually detrimental to their health wow. <laughs> and not recommended. So things like that have actually sometimes helped in court um, to make the case that the parent should be uh, remaining with the child, and the family intact here in the States. Mm. Um, on a broader level, you have everything from social media. Uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics is deeply involved with advocacy uh, on the Hill. Um, they're writing articles. They're being interviewed. Uh, just later tonight, there's the vigil, uh, Lights for Liberty. Mm -hmm. um, that's another way of just broadcasting and amplifying um, the issue. And I think another important thing uh, we need to work on is to not look at the immigration issue in isolation, but as you mentioned earlier, how it intersects with um, issues of racial injustice, criminal justice system, mm -hmm. um, the dynamic with gender violence and things like that, um, just broadening it so that it's not an isolated issue. Mm -hmm. um, other things you can do you can, uh, so one thing also, there are many things we need to work on. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I was thinking is, even with the Bridges Clinic, the program, as much as we are trying to advocate, the one important missing piece is still the voice of the community. Mm -hmm. uh, we do intend to incorporate and talk to the community more on what they need or what their experiences are and so forth. Um, so working on that and trying to elevate their voices, uh, telling their stories. Um, and it's happening in the media and in Oakland especially, for instance, newcomer youths, um, they, they drew or created a graphic novel um, mm -hmm. about their lives and experiences. Um, and there's other examples too. I really, 
I admire the work that you do at the Bridges Clinic and how comprehensive it is. And I just think about, you know, you saying that obviously the pediatricians are doing great work, but you think of all the, the health advocates and yes. those people who are going that extra mile to make sure that they make it to their appointments and things like that and just how vital that is. And I'm just wondering, is that something anyone can do? Like medical students can do too, volunteer-wise? or Sure, just like, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you volunteering now? Yeah. <laughs> um, most of our, our volunteers from, our graduates from Health Advocates, which is a volunteer program okay. that you might be familiar with. They help families in the primary care setting navigate social services. Um, we haven't we would love to open it up to like community health workers, anybody, or even someone from within the immigrant community to eventually be a uh, family navigator. Um, and does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And who is working towards solutions to this problem also in, in the community and elsewhere in medicine, public health? Yeah. In thinking about this question, it really uh, highlights how a lot of this work, not just immigrant health work, but a lot of advocacy work we do, it's very interdependent on other projects and other things going on, especially within the community. Um, for instance, the Bridges Clinic grew from uh, good community relationships that former pediatric residents started and built upon um, with the school, with the Department of Public Health, mm -hmm. um, and from that grew the Bridges program and other things that keep um, evolving. Um, so really utilizing those connections and um, valuing those community partners. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, who's involved? So everyone from people in the school district. Uh, we are very lucky in, in uh, San Francisco to have this model, but in the city government, people are, are fairly supportive. Um, Department of Public Health, our UCSF, San Francisco General Hospital institutional level administration, they're very um, open-minded open to this idea too. Um, and then working with psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, immigration attorneys. Well, I really just want to extend a huge thank you to you um, and yes. to health professionals like you. Um, growing up in a mixed status family myself um, and feeling that fear, you know, about parent-teacher conferences even, like, wow, like, I don't know, I don't want my parents to come. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and thinking about, like, health professionals as that guide through society here is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to extend a huge thank you to you and the work that you do. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, thank you. The work that you do and it's just, it's wishing so much love and pouring out so much love to everyone affected by it. And um, we're wishing everyone out there who is affected and working on this a lot of love and support and strength, strength as, um, and peace. And, peace. Mm -hmm. and we will fight for our freedom and we will win for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to throw in, uh, I was reading earlier today and to quote Serena Williams, who's playing in the Wimbledon finals tomorrow, shout, shout out, out to her. <laughs> 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 she was talking about the change she and her family have 
instigated within the tennis world. Um, and she said it's not because the change didn't occur because they were welcomed, but because they wouldn't stop winning. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep winning. Yes. Keep winning, y'all. Uh, Stay winning out there this summer. Stay winning. Thank you so much, Eleanor. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.